Hello. Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Oh, sip your coffee. Guess what time I woke up? Oh, no. I woke up at 6.45. Oh, no. It was still dark outside. Still dark outside. I know. It was terrible. I hated it. I I wish I could say the same. I set an alarm for 8 o'clock, and I... I I had so much trouble sleeping last night. I've had such bad insomnia lately. And I, I know it's literally just that I can't shut my brain off. I like I literally mm-hmm. just lie there like yeah. overthinking and overthinking and overthinking. That so happens many to things. me too, which is why I can't go back to sleep. Nah, once I'm out, I'm out. But I just can't get there, you know? Yeah. And then I could not wake up this morning. I set an alarm for 8 o'clock. I woke up at 9.30 and I just felt terrible. My throat really hurt. Mm-hmm. I just felt so exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully between recording and editing and us going out tonight, I have time to take a nap because <laughs> I'm gonna need one I also like this is my break it's your break too but like I just feel like we've already done so much and I'm like when do I actually get to take a break you know I feel like that too you know I'm sure you feel the same way like even though we've been doing a lot of really fun stuff and we had a really good day yesterday we yeah. did an escape room we went to the Met like it was we had a really good day yesterday I'm like so tired and like yeah, I same. really just want to do the puzzle that's sitting on our coffee table like <laughs> I agree. That's like goals right now. I was on the phone with my mom yesterday because this weekend, this coming weekend's her birthday. Happy early birthday. And she was like, I'm making a list of stuff I want us to do. And in my head, I'm like, great. Like, I want to do stuff with my mom because it's her birthday. But I'm also like, did you factor in a nap time? Like, (laughs) I'm going to need a minute. So anyway, yesterday was President's Day. It was. Which... I just realized at the Met, we didn't see one president. We didn't see George Washington. I honestly was thinking yesterday that I was like, oh, well, maybe I can get some of my research done because I had my list of presidents that I wanted to talk about today. And I thought, oh, maybe we'll swing by the American History Wing and I'll like see a portrait of one of them and I'll like take a picture of the But we didn't go to the American Wing? No, we stayed mostly in the like medieval area and the European Renaissance painters and the The good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm sure there are very notable American painters. I just don't know anything about American art. And I know a lot about Italian art. So, like, that's where I tend to go. Yeah. That's where I tend to gravitate towards at a museum. But, yeah, <laughs> we should have done... Yesterday it was President's Day. We should have spent <laughs> some time in the American wing. Whoops. I wonder if maybe if it was super crowded. Maybe. It was surprisingly... It was crowded when we entered the Met. But then the ex- exhibitions themselves weren't that bad. Well, because the Met is so big. Yeah, it's like, It's all so spread out. Who knows? Maybe this will get us invited to the Met Gala next year. Oh my gosh. What a dream. What a dream. That's like a life goal. Did you hear Kelsey when we walked into the fashion exhibit and I was like, I whispered to her, I said, okay, so how do we Ocean's 8 this? And she went, oh, you don't have to. You can just go up and take it. It's allowed. Like, no. No. Even though they were very, very pretty. I would not. I would not just go up and take the clothing. It was really pretty. Although I really liked that butterfly hat. There was a hat. There was a headpiece that was just all butterflies. And it was like a perfect circle. It's beautiful. I was really into it. <laughs> anyway, presidents. Presidents. Okay, the first thing that I thought of when you gave me this topic was this BuzzFeed list that my friends and I used to laugh about a lot in college. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard of it. This is the hottest U.S. presidents ranked, isn't it? Correct. Yes, I remember this. This is a ranking of the hottest U.S. presidents. And it's, we found it so infuriating because it's so inaccurate. <laughs> I don't even have an opinion on who should be, like, number one. But just the one... Okay, first of all, John Quincy Adams is ranked last. Now, I'm not saying that I think he's hot, but I'm just saying that there are men on this list who are far grosser looking than him. Do you think it was, like, they ranked it by who was considered attractive at the time? 
Maybe. I don't know. They took that into account? And, like, some of them, like, Ronald Reagan, like, the picture they use for him, I'm like, he doesn't really look hot in this, but they're like, but he was a movie star, so that has him pretty high on the list. Oh, yeah. So I think parts of it is, like, personality traits that make them hot, which I agree. Someone can be hot because of their personality. That's true. I don't know. John Quincy Adams, he deserved better. I, I, again, I don't think he's hot. Like, look at him. He's an old man. Yeah. But... He's got this weird like, beard going there's on. There's so many guys but ahead of him. But he's ranked lower than the guy who had the mutton chops. Oh, with Chester A. Arthur? Oh, yeah. He's second <laughs> to last. See, I would take I would take John Quincy Adams over Chester A. Arthur any time. See, I would disagree with that because I think Chester A. Arthur, if you trimmed the, mu- the mustache, he would look, More I don't handsome, know, like a normal guy. But I feel like that's part of the package deal. Yeah. Also, can you imagine being the painter who had to, like, sponge paint his beard? <laughs> like, each little bristle? But also, like, excellent detail there. Martin Van Buren is 41. I would take oh, John Quincy yeah, Adams over Martin, Martin Van, Van Buren, Buren any day. Absolutely. Um, de- like, John Tyler is ranked 27th. John Tyler should not be ahead of these guys. Can I see John Tyler? Oh, no, 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 no. no he's I can imagine high. that when he was younger, he might have been an attractive Yeah, man. he kind of gives me vibes of that one actor who's in The Crown. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah anyway so another thing that was the injustice that my friends and i were furious about was that calvin coolidge is ranked at number 16 now again i'm not saying that calvin coolidge is that hot although look at him he looks like a like a fine looking man yeah but and i don't think he should be number one i don't know who i think should be number one but i just think that barack obama Barack Obama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, again, I'm not saying that he would be in my, Calvin Coolidge would be a number one, but I do think he's definitely better looking than Reagan, Fillmore. I think Lincoln was a better person, but I don't think he was the hottest. I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> rant. I'm just saying number 16 is too low for Calvin Coolidge. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let's get to the actual thing you asked okay, me about. Okay, all right. Thank you. All right, We're having so, this conversation about the hottest presidents. Yes. There is a specific list of presidents that are considered like the most forgotten oh there is a list from time.com called the top 10 forgotten presidents with a subtitle fail to the chief oh and they list them chronologically and that is the 10 that i chose but this list was really solidified for me because i looked at a couple of other sources such as Mm cnn.com a couple of other like listicles and these 10 presidents were always used Oh, I, it occasionally was a shorter list of them, like only right. seven of them, or only five of them. But it was but always there, these it was guys. Always these guys. There was never anyone else mentioned. I can't wait. So let's talk about the top ten forgotten presidents, and we're gonna talk about them chronologically. Okay. Okay. So the first one is Martin Van Buren. Oh, I know it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I that name sounds familiar, but I can't remember why. He was the NVB, but he wasn't the NVP, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Did he follow Andrew Jackson? Was he like right after? He was. Okay, that's why I know him. <laughs> he had a lot of weird nicknames during his campaign, two of which were the Red Fox of Kinderhook and the Little Magician. <laughs> I like that one. I don't know the stories behind either of those nicknames, but those are funny. That's highly entertaining. Fun fact, he is the first president not of British descent. Of what descent is he? He's Dutch. Oh, Van Buren. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He was the son of a Dutch tavern owner, and he got his, him. Yeah, he got his interest in politics from listening to the rowdy debates in his family saloon. I don't know why I was like NPR. He was listening to NPR. <laughs> it's the 1800s. He was president from 1837 to 1841. Right, NPR so not did NPR. not exist yet. Um, <laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah. He was a self-taught lawyer. What? You can Which, do that? 
Yeah, I guess if you pass I don't think the you bar can exam. anymore. I guess back then, if it like you read enough books and you passed the bar exam, they weren't gonna be like, nah, you know. Yeah, it probably would be hard to get jobs though. Go in place and be like, all right, where did you study? And be like, my living myself. It's like being homeschooled. But being homeschooled, at least you have like your parents to teach you. This one's like, who said he didn't have his parents? <laughs> his father's a tavern owner. I assume he's not. Well, training that doesn't him mean he can't lawyer. coach him. I guess you're you're right. You're right. I, I don't know. Didn't realize you were such a Martin Van Buren stand. I'm not. <laughs> he quickly rose through the government ranks just because of his self-taught lawyerness, which. <laughs> It was like a novelty, but then he a- it actually became like a power tool. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at the time that wasn't that unheard of. Right. Just being like, I'm a lawyer. How'd you learn? I read some books. Great. That's how we all learned to do it, to do everything. He became secretary of state to Andrew Jackson for his first term in 1828. Oh. But there was a lot of cabinet infighting during Jackson's first term. And Martin Van Buren just kind of like stayed out of it. Like he literally was like, I'm over mm. here. I'm not. I remember this. Yeah. 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 I remember this from a push. And so there was a lot of a lot of people that whose reputations were kind of hurt by all the like infighting that was going on and not great things were starting to come out about them. So Andrew mm-hmm. Jackson, when he was running for reelection, asked Martin Van Buren to replace John Calhoun as his vice president. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was vice president to Jackson during his second term. Mm-hmm. I do remember learning yes. about this. And then af- shady. Yeah. And then after he was vice president, he was elected president in 1836. Good for him. But the reason why he's kind of considered forgotten is just because his policies were kind of really ineffective Mm. and he didn't really do anything. There was um, an economic crisis that came on during his presidency that was caused by banks offering easy credit while benefiting from little or no regulation, which, wow, sounds familiar. Yeah, yikes. (laughs) And he also had a, a really openly extravagant lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like he spent a lot of money and just owned really fancy things. So while there was like economic problems going on in the country, he was really scapegoated by the people being like, you're not really doing anything as president and you're actively probably benefiting from right. everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So he was not reelected because of that. Makes sense. So that's that's Martin Van Buren. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Sorry, Martin Van Buren. This next guy we're going to talk about real briefly. Okay. Kind of sadly, uh, William Henry Harrison. Oh, this guy's really sad. Yeah. He's president for a month, right? Yeah. Oh. But the way that he, the, the reason why he was only president for a month, it's kind of funny because time has, got, like, it's, it, it happened in 1841. So I right. feel like ta- enough time, time has passed that we can laugh. Mm-hmm. But basically when he was elected, he had a really, really long inaugural address. Like he set a record, which has not been beaten to this day for the longest inaugural speech clocking in at almost two hours mm-hmm. but the day that's a that he, very long time to listen to one person talk yeah but the day that he gave his speech it was really cold outside and it was an outdoor speech and he refused oh my gosh. to wear a hat or no. a coat or a scarf or anything so he got pneumonia Oh, my gosh. And passed away just 30 days later. Talk about creating your own end. Yeah. And was really sick for the whole 30 days. So he really wasn't ever. Yeah, he didn't do anything. Yeah. Yikes. That was William Henry Harrison. (laughs) But wasn't the guy that followed him up like a good guy? Uh, Not really. Oh, never mind. (laughs) I will say that um, his grandson was elected president. Benjamin Harrison. Benjamin Harrison. He actually, now that I'm thinking of him, I don't have him on this list, but he was listed in one of the lists as forgotten. Yeah. I don't know a lot about him. Uh, You know what I wish we could play, but we can't because of copyright? The Nickelodeon President song. Oh, yeah. We'll listen to it. Just the two of us. Mm -hmm. So after William Henry Harrison died, John Tyler became president. 
and no one really liked him. Mm. In fact, his nickname was his accidency. Oof. Because no one wanted him to be president, but because of the sad thing that happened with William Henry Harrison, he was made president. Um, Do you think he was like, well, at least I'm not an idiot and I wear a coat? <laughs> That's what I would say. Yeah, he'd be like, the real accident was what happened to him. Um, right, they're like bullying him and he's like, he didn't wear a coat and you wanted him as your president? <laughs> he Whatever. wouldn't stop Grow talking. Up, bro. <laughs> so John Tyler, he chose to keep pretty much all of uh, William Henry Harrison's cabinet that had been chosen. Okay, that makes sense. Even though all of them hated him. Why? <laughs> I don't know the exact reasons that led up to it, but I know that they were like, again, they all called him his accidency. They didn't really like him. And they presented to him a bill that they were trying to establish a national bank and he vetoed it. And that made them all furious. So all but one of them resigned. <gasps> Big yikes. Yeah. So he was really unpopular amongst his own government. And John Tyler was part of the Whig party. But then the Whig party tried to impeach him. Oh, my God. It didn't work. But that's just an example of how disliked he was by his own party and by around him. He was going to run for a re-election in 1844, but he was persuaded to, to withdraw from the race. Oh, that's when James K. Polk was president. 1845 to yeah, yeah. So after his presidency, he was broke and he returned to his plantation in Virginia and he spent... <laughs> that's not funny, but it's just like too good. You like know? you were president of the United States and you're but, broke. But it's just like, he was like, oh, he was broke. So we went to his plantation oh, in Virginia. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, brother, like, yes, please stop. And he spent the remainder of his life supporting the secession of the South, which also didn't go well Yeah, for clearly him, did so. not go well. Yeah. Okay, no, never mind. Not yeah, a well-liked guy. he was a Confederate. Yikes. Yeah. Big yikes. So, <laughs> when a second ago when you were like, John Tyler, we like him, right? I was like, mm, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not the guy I'm thinking of. So, you, I believe, are correct that the next president was Polk, but after that was Millard Fillmore. A lot of these guys are from just so long ago, which is why I think they're forgotten. It's just like... If you didn't do a lot and you're from a really long time ago, yeah, we're not going to really talk about you I am surprised that Polk isn't on this. Um, the only reason I know about James K. Polk is because he was my um, history teacher's absolute favorite president. Interesting. And he would just rant about James K. Polk all the time. But the big reason that Polk is notable is that he acquired Texas for us and I believe mm. also California. But he was a very famous president because he was like, I will be a one-term ter president. This was his whole platform. He was like, I will be a one-term president. I will not run for re-election. I will accomplish everything I say I will. And he set really realistic goals and he completed all of them and then he was like, great, I did it. I'm not running again. And people really respected him for that. Mm. That's why he was my history teacher's favorite. But I am surprised most people don't know him. Unless you oh, live Polk. Yeah, in the South. I feel like Southerners know him. Yeah, he was governor of Tennessee. Yeah, and like he just well did known. a lot. He acquired a lot of territory for the, the South. He ended yeah. the he ended the Mexican American War. So Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore. <laughs> Millard Fillmore is considered so obscure that there's literally a club called the FOMF, which stands for Friends of Millard Fillmore, and they host an annual trivia hunt where they compete over Millard Fillmore trivia, and. <laughs> It's literally celebrated for being the most obscure trivia possible. That's so, so funny. That's how obscure Millard Fillmore is that's considered hysterical. by people. I love that. Actually, he seems like kind of an okay guy. He was part of the Whig party and he ran as Zachary Taylor's vice president. Even though the two had opposing views of slavery, um, Zachary Taylor didn't want to end slavery and Fillmore did. And then 
Tyler died and Fillmore became president. Taylor died. Yes. Zachary Taylor died and Millard Fillmore became president. So was Zachary Taylor ever president or did he die after election? No, Zachary Taylor was a president. He was. Okay. But I think he died pretty quickly into his presidency. Oh, I got her to wear coats, guys. <laughs> Why does nobody wear coats? He died in July of 1850 and he was inaugurated in January of Okay, so he was president for like five months. Yeah. Or no. What did he? Six months. What did he die of? Oh, stomach disease. Oh, jeez. Who knows what that is? Dysentery. It always gets up. <laughs> <laughs> the good old Oregon Trail. So Millard Fillmore, he is kind of considered to have stalled the start of the Civil War because he enacted the Compromise of 1850. Um, Now, the goal of the Compromise of 1850 was really to, he was like, oh, this will work. This will stop the tensions between the North and the South. But really all it did was kind of like, it did prevent the war for a couple years, but it it, it made both sides more angry. Okay. Because like neither were really getting what they wanted. Right. And he lost re-election and died of a stroke in 1874. Rest in peace, Millard Fillmore. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I make it sound like so far, like his death saddens me the most so far. I don't (laughs) know why. No, William Henry Harrison, like that situation is kind of funny, but dude, wear a coat. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I have sympathy for you, but only so much. (laughs) So the next guy we're going to talk about is James Buchanan. Oh my God. Do you know what? The the only thing I know about James Buchanan is that he's the only president from Pennsylvania and that he was like terrible. (laughs) 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 He's considered one of the worst as far as performance presidents. Which is very embarrassing. He, for my well, he literally just didn't do anything. People say that while Millard Fillmore is considered to have stalled the Civil War, James Buchanan made it a certainty just because he didn't do anything for either side. Right. He um, was like, he like left Lincoln being like, LOL, have fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, he believed that the best action was no action. He supported the South and the Dred Scott decision. When the South said that they wanted to secede, he told them that he thought that it was illegal, but also he had no authority to stop them. Oh my God. <laughs> No tact. And I think he could tell that no one thought he was good because so, he didn't run for re-election. Yeah, he was like, I'm just going to leave. He's like, okay, I'm I'm kind of done. So I was out. <laughs> All right, bye. Uh, so that's James Buchanan. Didn't do much. Uh, I, I'd say thank you for your service, but you didn't really do anything. Yeah, it's like <laughs> your service was terrible. <laughs> yeah. mm, please maybe give us a better replacement. So this- He did. He gave us Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> That's true. So the next forgotten president we're going to talk about is Rutherford B. Hayes. Such a good name. I literally, my first point that I wrote down, but it has a catchy name. Yeah, good name. Good name. Also, like, if your last name is Hayes, that's like a normal name. I wonder what it, what the B stands for. But like, Rutherford. What a what a first name. What you know? a first name, yeah. Wow. Sounds very regal. Rutherford B. Hayes. He was really respected in his time because he was raised by a single mother. He really worked Aww. himself up from nothing. Which... While I'm mentioning this, can I just rant for a hot sec about how I feel like as a culture, we so respect people who were raised by single mothers, but we don't always give that same respect to, to the- single mothers. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Anyway, back to Rutherford. He went to Harvard. He became a lawyer. He volunteered to fight in the Civil War and was quickly considered a valuable leader. This helped him become senator and then governor of Ohio. And in 1876, he received the Republican presidential nomination. Now, here's the thing. Oh, boy. Rutherford B. Hayes lost the popular vote. (gasps) 
But he won the Electoral College? I think by a very narrow margin. It was so close that they brought it to Congress. Oh. And they spent... Just like the election of 1800. Yeah. And they spent months arguing and it was a lot... It was very partisan Mm -hmm. and it took a very long time. And eventually by a very narrow congressional vote, Hayes was chosen as the president. But they were so worried about the blowback from the country that his official inauguration was held in secret inside the white house really yeah because they didn't want the 50 percent or more of the country to like come for them that's so interesting which like i feel like i'd get more angry about that because they're being shady about it you know that's so fascinating i'm looking up who he ran against poor guy (laughs) but people did like him at first even though he had like such a contentious election he was respected because he knew he was going into the presidency probably with a lot of people that didn't want him to be president so he chose a lot of people for his cabinet that were on the other side Mm -hmm. he had a very bipartisan cabinet but then in 1877 he really lost political opinion because there was a really big railroad strike that was going on and Hayes sent troops to stop the railroad strike and the troops opened fire on the railroad workers and they killed dozens it really marred his reputation which yeah uh yeah definitely so he kind of like came from nothing so at first i respected but then you know rocky start to his presidency seemed like he was trying but then he made a really bad choice yeah but there were a couple of fun facts about rutherford b hayes his wife lucy hayes is known as lemonade lucy because she banned liquor from the white house (laughs) that's a good nickname yeah and also he started the easter egg roll which is a white house tradition that has continued to this day oh that's cool it's a cool fun fact this next president that we're going to talk about was president from 1881 to 1885 and that is Chester A. Arthur. Oh, do you want to hear a fun fact about Rutherford B. Hayes? Oh, yeah. Prior to his presidency, Hayes defended fugitive slaves in court who were caught in Ohio in the 1850s. Oh, nice. That's a cool See, fact. he started off as like a cool guy. It was really like... Later, yeah. That one decision sent the, the army to stop the railroad strike. Yeah. Which I don't know for sure. It doesn't say for sure whether or not he ordered them to shoot them. Yeah, but it still falls on him. Yeah, so it's it's not... That's it's not sick. great. Yeah, that's sad. So uh, Chester A. Arthur, did we talk? I think we talked a little bit about. We talked about his beard. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's chill. Um, he was known for his huge mustache, as he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that thing. I wonder if it if he just made the choice to shave his chin and leave the rest. Yeah, your beard doesn't grow naturally like that. That's a fashion choice, Jane. <laughs> okay. Prior to his political career he worked on civil rights cases in new york but he fell in with this shady guy named roscoe nicknamed boss conkling mm. uh, who ran a corrupt political machine and he helped arthur rise through the ranks to become political. i love important. the mob boss president yeah it's funny because that's how he got into power but then once he's in power he was kind of cool he became vice president to james garfield's Ooh, he was assassinated. He was. The funny thing is, prior to James Garfield's assassination, Garfield was working on an appointment that would take power away from Conkling, who was the shady guy who helped Chester Arthur come to power. Yeah. So Chester A. Arthur and James Garfield really disagreed about this and literally weren't talking at the time. Can you imagine? (laughs) They were, like, fighting and hadn't spoken to each other in person in months. Can you imagine if, like... It came out that we co-host this podcast, but we don't talk to each other outside of it. <laughs> it's not like we live together or anything. Yeah. But then Garfield was assassinated. But like I said, prior to his assassination, Garfield and Arthur hadn't spoken in months. So everyone was really worried that Chester A. Arthur was going to be a really shady president because of the shady way that he came to power. Absolutely. But when he was in 
But once he became president, he spent his presidency cracking down on corruption. He made a lot of reforms that were considered really good for the people. He became known as the, a man of the people. People really liked him by the end of his presidency. Historians suspect that, well, Chester Arthur, he did have a kidney disease that mm-hmm. killed him two years after um, the end of his term. But it, it's suspected that he found out about his kidney condition right when he was becoming president oh. and that he kept it a secret oh. and he basically was having a change was thinking well, like well i'm gonna die so i should be a good person before i go oh and I, interesting. like he had a change of heart and wanted to do good interesting uh so ultimately he was a good guy even though he came to power in a shady way what a twist what a twist all right this next guy we're gonna talk about for some i don't know why this shocked me but William McKinley is on this list. I feel like in my head, William McKinley is like a a guy we talk about a lot, but also I don't know anything about him. So. Yeah, I like hear his name so much, but all I can tell you is that he was, there was an assassination attempt yeah. against him. I think he, his name is used on a lot of things. So that's why we hear it a lot. Yeah. Like I feel like there are a lot of McKinley high schools. Yeah. At least there are on TV. He's from New York, isn't he? Yeah. We'll find out. You, ju- you just keep doing okay. your thing. So William McKinley is on the $500 bill. <laughs> now, I didn't know there was a $500 bill. I didn't bill. either, and I doubt I'll ever see one. Yeah, same. <laughs> but apparently he's on it. Um, he initially... Oh, I know why we talk... We've talked about him before on this podcast, actually. We have? Is because he was the president who started the Spanish-American War. Oh. Yeah. When did we talk about the Spanish-American War? Um, On the episode on the Philippines. Ooh, you're that, so smart that was a whole part of it wow yeah i was like we talked about the spanish-american war when <laughs> no memory of these things yeah he was initially opposed to the war but as we talked about on our uh episode about the philippines pulitzer and hearst used they what, think they got us <laughs> sorry do they got us no, no! <laughs> anyway pulitzer and hearst used what is known as yellow journalism mm-hmm. to really fan the fire of the desire for war. Yeah, like yeah, people yeah. really wanted to go to the war because yeah. of the way Pulitzer and Horst were writing about it. Or writing about it. Yeah. So even though McKinley didn't want to go to war, he eventually did, like, because the public wanted it. In 1901, uh, McKinley was shot by an anarchist at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo in 1901. Oh, that's such a good song in Assassins. Oh. <laughs> the song that's I've about never this. seen Assassins. I need to learn oh it. Oh my gosh, we should go. They're playing. I mean, they're, it's playing in New York soon. Like, I'm oh, let's go find one. We should go. <laughs> it's like there's a production opening in New York soon. We should go see uh, it. Okay. Um, now, the story behind his death is kind of yeah. tragic, and just these doctors are so dumb. Thomas Edison heard that President McKinley had been shot, and wow. so he sent this brand new X-ray machine that, like, he had made, mm-hmm. <laughs> helped develop, and he sent it to Buffalo because he heard it that the president had been shot and he thought that the x-ray machine would help them find the bullet so that they could remove it and save his life. Uh, However, the doctors, they received the x-ray machine, but they decided that they didn't need it because they didn't think it was medically necessary to find and remove the bullet. So it was somewhere in the president's body, but they were like, yeah, we can just leave it in there. It's going to be fine. Oh, no. Yeah. And because of this mistake, he died eight days later of gangrene. Well, yeah, I bet he did. (laughs) (laughs) These guys should lose their medical license. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my gosh. So the reason why President McKinley is kind of considered 
a, a historical afterthought aside from this annoying story about his death even though he was kind of politically important and he started a war his vice president who took over for him was this little known guy named theodore roosevelt you know little small guy, guy small guy, guy. So he overshadowed him, you know, just a little. Just a little bit. Just a I, little bit. I imagine. So yeah, that's really why William McKinley's kind of forgotten. Awkward when your VP is more famous than you are. Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about Warren G. Harding, who I, every source I could read on William, on Warren G. Harding said that he is considered to be the worst president ever. Now, here's hear me. I think if he was the worst president ever, we should have heard about him. Yeah, I agree. Also, he's probably got some competition. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Historians are really confused by how Warren G. Harding got elected because he was he ran his presidency was from 1921 to 1923. He ran right after World War One. Mm-hmm. And his platform that he ran on was a return to normalcy. He came right after Woodrow Wilson, and Woodrow Wilson's term was considered to be really bold and visionary and respected. So the fact that the president right after him was like, well, let's get back to normal. Like, pe- historians are really confused why the public was like, yeah, you're right, we should. Like, <laughs> things were going well. Right. <laughs> Wilson was just kind of an annoying guy. He ran the White House like a boys' club. Uh, he had this group of friends called the Ohio Gang who would all get together and drink and play golf and cheat on their wives. Again, sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) There was a best-selling memoir which came out by a woman claiming that she had been Harding's mistress and that she had a daughter who was his child. There is a rumor that is most likely true that Harding had a lot of gambling debt and he paid it off by giving away China that he stole from the White House. Which, this guy really sounds like Trump. I just... Maybe. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. He basically announced when he was first becoming president that he didn't think that he was up to the task of being president. He thought it was more work than he was capable of. So he told his cabinet that they literally had free reign to do whatever they wanted. And he would just, they could make all the decisions and he would just like nod and smile and say yes. And he considered himself more of a ceremonial figure than an actual leader. You know, good job being president. Um... (laughs) And he elected a lot of his close friends to his cabinet, and many of them were caught up in corruption scandals. Harding died suddenly of Potomac poisoning, uh, which caused a heart attack. And there were a lot of rumors that his wife poisoned him to protect what little legacy he had left. Oh. They're like, you are going to destroy us. Oh, my God. That's crazy. (laughs) So Warren G. Harding, you were barely president. The people you put in power were corrupt and awful you were not a great guy big yikes man and the final forgotten president on our list is hubert hubert hoover (laughs) herbert hoover they consider hoover a forgotten president yes even though he built he built the hoover dam right Well, I'm assuming. I loved this quote from CNN.com, which was, um, although Herbert Hoover won the 1928 presidential election with almost 60% of the vote, today he's basically remembered as a dam. Actually, many Americans probably think he was an FBI director or the guy who invented a vacuum. Because that was J. Edgar Hoover and the Hoover vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) hoover has kind of a cool backstory Mm -hmm. he was orphaned at age nine oh 
kind of like Batman. Poor fella. <laughs> it is sad. I feel bad I made a joke now. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> he worked his way to Stanford University where he studied mining engineering. And that's where he met his future wife, Lou Henry, who was Stanford's only female geology student at the time. That's cool. Which, good for her. Love women in STEM. Good for her. She's like Laura Dern's character from Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Together, the two of them traveled the world to evaluate mining sites and they learned a lot of languages and in fact they spoke mandarin to each other when they were in the white house because they didn't want the staff eavesdropping on their conversations oh my god that's shady their relationship personal kind of secret relationships are you secret secret conversations are you having i don't know maybe they were super kinky or something no no no. oh my god (laughs) that would be crazy exposing the kinky or they just wanted to have a sweet personal relationship i don't know it could be um so hoover was elected to president because he was really popular after world war one because he coordinated the u.s food administration Mm, yeah yeah. so people really liked him because of that unfortunately while he was president the great depression happened oh Mm -hmm. sucks and his programs to fight it were largely ineffective uh yeah well it happens you know even like do you remember I remember this from the Kit Kittrich books, but also history class that like the um, <laughs> I communities learned a lot from that Girl homeless Doll. people would live in together were called Hoovervilles. Oh, I did not remember that. Mm-hmm. It was like like literally campsites that homeless people would build and live in together. That's sad. And they were called Hoovervilles because they Hoover wasn't helping them, you know? Right. So that's honestly why a lot of these people have been forgotten because they just didn't really do anything that contributed to American history during their time as president. Right. Which a lot of them were president by accident. We have a fair number of people on here who were Were vice presidents. presidents. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, goes to show a vice president does not a president make. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, um... <laughs> so those are, the, those are the forgotten presidents. <laughs> Great. Love some forgotten men. For you to talk about on President's Day, President's Day which Great. was yesterday, well, so... Great. We want to honor those people who we totally forgot about um, and totally forgot to maybe mention yesterday. Not all of them. Not um, all of them. Who was that guy who sucked so much? Um... <laughs> <laughs> who sucked so much we don't want to honor warren g Harding. oh no 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 <laughs> no we don't want to honor him all the rest of them maybe not john tyler no not for not john tyler okay but all the rest of them <laughs> we're sorry i feel like there was one other guy who liked the south on here but the ones who were you know not part of the confederacy thanks <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> so i'm gonna talk about another annoying guy oh no for my reddit segment oh boy I'm going to talk about Jeff Bezos. Oh, he's so annoying. (laughs) I just want to talk about how much money he has. No, it's going to make me angry, Jane. Well, if you want to have something to lighten your heart a little bit, I hope you know that last night when I was Googling him, I accidentally Googled Jerf Bezos. So, (laughs) Jerf Bezos. (laughs) Who is he? (laughs) Is there someone out there named Jerf Bezos? No, they immediately were like, oh, you meant Jeff Bezos. It's like, yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I did. (laughs) It'd be funny about the man with all the money. It'd be funny if there was like a a nice guy named Jerf Bezos bezos out there who (laughs) would be would be the kind of twist i need in my life uh so here are 11 mind-blowing facts that show just how wealthy the amazon ceo really is this is from business insider oh no now i thought i i just wanted to talk about this because yesterday it was announced that jeff bezos is giving 10 billion dollars to fight climate change oh and before 
a bunch of people come forward and be like, oh, what? that's so nice of him. Good for him. Like, really, that's the least he could be doing. Right. Quite right. honestly. Right. It's like, well, that won't change obviously. his life in any way. Exactly. Like, yeah. Obviously, that's what he should be doing. Yeah. So it's he, his obligation. Yeah. Right. He's starting the Bezos Earth Fund um, and giving $10 billion to fight climate change, which like good for you, I guess. But still, he um, could end world hunger. Do you know that? Yes, he could like several times over. Yeah, he could single-handedly end yeah. world hunger. Um, he's the richest person on the planet, and he's worth an estimated $130 billion. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Nobody needs that much Nobody money. Nobody needs $1 billion. Billionaires shouldn't exist. Anyway, Bezos is 48% richer than the British monarchy. You're kidding. No. Oh, my God. Uh, he retained his ranking as the world's richest person, even following his, divor- his divorce from Mackenzie Bezos in 2019. She kept a 4% stake in Amazon worth roughly $35.7 making her the fifth richest woman in the world. Oh, my God. But even after that, he like it didn't hurt Jeff Bezos' wealth at all. Uh, interestingly enough, his annual salary is only $81,840 per year. All of his... I mean, that obviously is, like, money that's making him money, but most of his wealth comes from his Amazon shares. That makes sense. Yeah. And because of this, he makes $2,489 per second, which is one more than twice the median U.S. worker makes in one week. Uh, I don't understand. It makes me so angry. It's, 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 It's ridiculous. Also, Amazon doesn't pay taxes. So, Jeff Bezos can, if anyone can afford to, Jeff Bezos can. So, what the hell, Amazon? Okay. It just, like, makes me know, like, what can I do to change this? Like, how can I get that man to have not so much money? I will do anything, you know? I don't know. I mean, let's Oceans aid him. Let's just rob him. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, For reference, Jeff Bezos spending $1.7 million dollars is the economic equivalent of an average person spending one dollar. Um, this is gonna make me sick. I don't like it. He bought the the Washington Post, but because of how much money he has, it would be the equivalent if you and like the amount of money he spent on it. It would be as if a regular person spent one hundred and forty nine dollars to buy the Washington a newspaper Post for one hundred and fifty bucks. Like no. no. He made a lot of money from investing in Google in 1998. He invested $1 million, which is another example of how, like, you can't really rich unless you start rich, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. Without that million dollars to invest in Google. Right. Um, Bezos' parents invested $245 million in Amazon in 1995. Today, that would be worth approximately $30 billion. Initially skeptical of their son leaving his Wall Street job to start an online bookstore, Bezos' parents took the plunge. What a big risk. Since the initial launch of Amazon, the company's stock price has increased 97,000%. Anyway, so the point is, it's like, I'm glad he's choosing to help the environment, but there's so much more he could be doing. He could, as Sarah said before, end world hunger. He could pay taxes. He really could. There are so many problems in this world that he could fix if he just chose to, like, not sit on his wealth like a dragon. (sighs) Anyway, so that I, I'm. I and it's like, I'm so sick of people being like, well, he earned it. No, he didn't. What no. is he doing right now to earn 
$2,000 He earned his second. salary of $81,000 a year as that, the CEO yeah, of Amazon. That could be know? argued, yeah. Yeah, but, like, shares? That just means that he bought a bunch of stuff. Like, it sickens me. It really does. No one needs that much money. No one needs $1 billion. Like, I read something the other day that was, like, you could buy like a hundred buses a day or something and you still wouldn't even come close to spending a billion dollars in your lifetime yeah there's just it's too much money for one person it is when there are people who are homeless in this world and there's like starvation and poverty no it's disgusting that one person has so much money and there are so many people that have so little (sighs) anyway so since he has enough money to essentially be president oh my god don't even get me started yeah I just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention because I, I saw it trending on Facebook that he on Twitter last night that he was doing his big thing for environmentalism and it's like is he really no he could be doing he's much not more. he's not doing anything also that sound in the background was our roommate with a blender okay I promise we're fine yeah I promise we're fine <laughs> <laughs> no that was just our blender getting mad at Jeff Bezos yeah we have a ghost blender <laughs> <laughs> oh boy okay that was my Reddit segment all right so now your topic is also the Oscars so it's probably gonna be a couple more infuriating men I'm assuming no there's not really anything in here that makes me super angry okay. like I don't really like it's I'm gonna tell you about the history of the Oscars great and all that stuff so um here we go the academy was first formed in 1927 at the home of MGM studio chief Louis B. Mayer so he and his guests discussed creating an organized group to honor and officially benefit the film industry which sounds a lot like us deciding to start this podcast (laughs) um a week later 36 people from all creative branches of the film industry gathered at the LA Ambassador Hotel and heard a proposal to form the International Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Douglas Fairbanks was elected as the first Academy president from 1927 to 1929. By the way, I'm getting all... I definitely all... heard that name. Yeah. Douglas but, Fairbanks. Which, by the way, I'm getting all of this information from the Academy Awards website. Great. <laughs> or the Academy's website. Um, the Academy formed a committee known as the Awards of Merit. The seven-person committee suggested giving awards in 12 categories. The first Academy Awards were held on May 16th, 1929 at the Roosevelt Hotel with 270 people in attendance. This ceremony was really just, like, a placeholder celebration because the winners had been announced three months prior. And they were just like, congrats, you won. Now we'll have a party to celebrate the fact that you won. But in 1930, the following year, the Academy kept the results a secret until the award ceremony. But they would give an advance list to newspapers for publication at 11 p.m. So only the newspapers knew the winner's list before the party. They wanted to add some drama. Exactly. But then the practice of giving it to just the newspapers continued until 1940 when the LA Times published the winners in its evening edition. So those entering the ceremony already knew the results, which is <gasps> very awkward. Um, and <laughs> Imagine this... if you lost, would you just have to sit there? Yeah, Aww. essentially. Um, so this mix-up prompted the sealed envelope system that we still use today. Aww. In 1935, so the initial categories were leading actor, leading uh-huh. actor and actress, like best picture, uh-huh. all of the like big ones. I think c- cinematography was one of them at the time. And then in 1935, film editing, music scoring, and song became categories for consideration. So six years in. That same year, there was also a write-in campaign to nominate Betty Davis whom I love, <laughs> um, for her performance of in of Human Bondage. This is no longer allowed write-ins during the voting process. Um, 
for many reasons, but it used to be that, like, if you didn't agree with any of the nominations, you could be like, no, I picked this person, like you uh-huh. would for the presidential election. Betty Davis later became the president of the Academy for two months and then resigned. Oh. Which is a power move that I love. 1935 was also the first year the accounting firm Price Waterhouse tabulated the ballots, which they still do today. Oh. So they've been doing it for 85 years, which is crazy. In 1937, the first Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress Awards were presented to Walter Brennan and Gail Sondergaard. Beginning this year, the Academy published the Academy Players Directory, which included photos of actors and the name of their agent, and this was in publication (laughs) until 2006. Interesting. Yeah, so you could just be like, look at this guy. You like him? Call this guy. Essentially. (laughs) You could become this guy. Yeah. Well, no, but you could put him in your movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I thought you were saying like you looking for an agent no it's like you want this actor to be in your film like call this person in so it was like a phone book but for actors in 1939 the first academy award for special effects went to fred serson and e.h hansen for the rains came also in 1939 the academy officially nicknamed the trophy oscar but the origin is disputed some say it's because Betty Davis nicknamed the award after her first husband, Harmon Oscar Nelson. <laughs> Margaret, Margaret Herrick, the Academy Executive Secretary, is said to have claimed the statuette reminded her of Uncle Oscar. So then people who worked at the Academy mm-hmm. would jokingly call him Oscar. Columnist Signe Skolski, good Polish name, published <laughs> in a newspaper the first confirmed reference to the award as Oscar in March of 1934. During the 1934 awards, Walt Disney also thanked Oscar during his acceptance speech. Mm. So it was like a popular name for a while, but then it officially became a nickname five years later. Yeah. In 1941, the documentary category was added to the ballot. In 1944, the ceremony was held at the Chinese Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. 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 (laughs) On Hollywood Boulevard, where it would be for two years. In 1947, the first award was given to a foreign language feature, an Italian film called Shoeshine, but it would be more than nine years until foreign language film became an official annual category. Costume design became an official category in 1949. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Which Hamlet was one of the first to win costume design. Oh, the like Laurence Olivier Hamlet? I think so. 1949. Does that sound right? Maybe. Who knows? The Oscars were first televised in 1953 to the U.S. and Canada in black and white. In 1964, what was once the special effects category became two separate categories, sound effects and special visual effects. In 1966, the Oscars were telecast in color for the first time. In 1968, the Oscar ceremony was postponed from April 8th to April 10th out of respect for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who had been assassinated a few days earlier and whose funeral was held on April 9th. So they didn't Mm. want to do it until after the funeral. In 1969, the Oscars were broadcast internationally for the first (gasps) time. Why does 1969 keep coming up? It's always 1969. In 1973, the Student Academy Awards were established to recognize and encourage promising student and university filmmakers. That award ceremony still exists. Fun fact, Spike Lee won a Student Academy Award. Oh, hey! Yeah, there are a lot. There have been... 63 Oscar nominations and 10 Oscar wins of people who were who would once won a Student Academy Award, which is pretty cool. Mm. So it sets like a good precedent. In 1981, the awards were once again postponed, this time for 24 hours because of the assassination attempt on President Ronald Reagan. 
1982, the first award for makeup was given to Rick Baker for An American Werewolf in London, which became an annual annual category thereafter. Uh-oh. In 2002, Shrek became the first feature film to win Best Animated Picture. This is the most recent category to be added. Best Animated Picture. That's so funny. I know. This year was also the first year the Academy Awards were held at the Kodak Theater, now known as the Dolby Theater, where they're still held today. Oh. Yeah. Um. So you asked me why the Oscars are considered the most important. There's not an official, official reason, but most agree it's because they've been around the longest. They okay. are the oldest award ceremony for um, the film industry. Also, because the Academy is such a wealthy company, the influence of the award also means, like, a lot of financial gain. Yeah. And that the Academy just has such a huge financial hold on Hollywood. The Golden Globes are very different from the Oscars for several reasons. One, they're hosted by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is a nonprofit made up of journalists and photographers. So journalists and photographers are the ones voting in the Mm. categories. The Globes have more categories and honor both film and TV, as we know. And the Golden Globes also begin an award season. So they kind of set the precedent. The Academy Awards typically happen at the end of the award season, although they were earlier this year. The Academy Motion Picture Arts and Science is now... The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is now 6,000 people strong, comprised of industry professionals. Yep. So there's probably, like, a greater sense of validation of winning something because it's been awarded by your peers, by people in your industry. So there's much more of a... It's the word I'm looking for, like... It just means more because it's given to you by people who understand your craft because they do it. I hate that I use the word craft, but do they ever release like the numbers of like how many people got how many votes? I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. The Golden Globes do take place five days before Oscar nominations close and have been known to influence the out the outcome of the Oscars. So it does come into it does come into consideration because people will look at the Golden Globes and they'll be like, oh, the Hollywood Foreign Press really liked this person. Maybe yeah. I should consider them. Um, as a side fun fact, many regard the Golden Globes as a better party than the Oscars because <laughs> well, they, they serve drink and they serve dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and the party, the after party is held at the location of the Golden Globes, but the Oscars parties are all held off. off oh, location. yeah. No, they don't release the numbers. Interesting. Because now I'm curious, like, what years was it really close? What years was it a landslide? I know. No, but they don't release that information. At the moment, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences currently has 8,469 eligible Oscar voters. Which is up 35% from four years ago. That's really interesting. It's a growing industry. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone gets to nominate for Best Picture, um, and all branches get to vote for everything. So even if you are an actor, you still get to vote for Best Cinematography, mm. oh. which is really interesting. But you can only nominate within your category. So Best Actor can only nominate for Best Actor. Can you nominate yourself? Everyone, you can become a member of the Academy. Anyone can apply if they have feature film credits. Each candidate must be approved by each branch's executive committee and then submitted to the board. So if you want to be considered for cinematographer, you have to, like, apply and appeal to that branch. Oh, and they also have preferential voting, which is, like, so you put in your first choice and then your second choice and then your third choice, like how some some states do elections that Mm -hmm. way, which is really interesting. So essentially, if one movie gets 
say it's divided between like one like three movies get 30 percent of the number one vote but one of those movies gets 40 percent of the number two that's the movie that's gonna win yeah which is really interesting so it is like it is like ranked choice voting essentially which is interesting because like you always hear like for award summaries people saying like for your consideration and it seems silly because it's like we don't have any control over that, but like there are many, many people who yeah. factor into who gets an Oscar, and you never know who's going to be around. And like, it's not all celebrities. Like most people can't name special effects artists, but like they yeah. still they still factor into what movie is going to get best picture. You know, yeah. so it is it is really interesting. Um, and that's really everything that I have about about, about Oscar. the Oscars. Oh, cool, yeah, cool. it was short, sweet, and to the point. So that's pretty much everything. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've Been Wondering If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us directly through Anchor on the link in the bio of this episode, or you can consider leaving us a five star review on iTunes. Both are very helpful. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. All right, Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? Sam? Since, spoiler alert, we're recording again tomorrow. I'm going to give you something a little simple, you know? Okay. Don't have to overwork yourself. Something you'll enjoy. Yeah. So I want you to tell me about all the theories surrounding Stonehenge. <gasps> okay. And like, what people believe it is, why it's there, what's the most accepted. I love that. All that. Maybe oh, include some aliens. I love some aliens. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited about that. Yes, um, definitely. Very excited. Okay. Actually, mine kind of fits in that case. Um, Sarah, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? Are there any plans to change or... Um, apologize for Mount Rushmore. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Recently, a I was reading this thing on Twitter last night where this group that's not even connected to Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Like, it's a, a group of her supporters. Like, it's, okay. a, it's literally just a Twitter page that's like, we like Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth right. Warren for president. And they made a t-shirt and they were selling it. And Elizabeth Warren's campaign is not connected to them at all. I don't think mm-hmm. she even knows about them. But they were selling a t-shirt saying put Elizabeth Warren on Mount Rushmore. Oh. Like, let's have her be the next face on Mount Rushmore. And a lot of um, Lakota Sioux people who, like, live in that Mm -hmm. area were upset because they were like, can we just be done with Mount Rushmore? Like, you've already done enough to our territory. Like, Right. But then the the Twitter account that did this put forward a very educated response being like, here's all the the research we've been doing. Here's why we apologize. Like, right. Um, Elizabeth Warren has nothing to do with this. Please do not act as, as if she did this. And Elizabeth Warren has her own complicated history with like Native American culture, right? Um. Anyway, not even related. But let's talk about no, great Mount yeah. Rushmore. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about Mount Rushmore. That sounds great. All right, thank you so much for listening. This is you know what I've been wondering. <laughs>